You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Life's more fun when you're out finding adventure together, and the new Santa Fe is designed to help you get more out of that quality time. The Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV with intuitive technology. The newly designed Santa Fe offers H-Track all-wheel drive capability, intuitive tech, and safety features to get you where you're going with confidence and the personalized style to do it your own way. An SUV with family fun in mind that proves that out together is truly better. It's got H-Track all-wheel drive, dynamic safety features, dual blind spot view monitor, and user profiles with a 10.25-inch full-touch infotainment screen. To learn more, go to Hyundai.com. Honey Girl, a coming-of-age debut by Morgan Rogers, follows a young black woman just finishing her Ph.D. in astronomy who impulsively gets married in Vegas and decides to leave her perfectly ordered life for a summer in New York with the wife she barely knows. Honey Girl is available now wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And boy, do I have a treat for all you Black Panther fans out there. All the people that sit around like me with the time period that we're in. And we're like, oh God, if I could just get me a ticket, bus ticket, something to Wakanda. If it was just real. But you know, while we wait to get them that uh, that travel plans, while we wait to do that escape, I got another way you can escape. Because I have two writers with me for the new ebook series, Marvel's Black Panther, Sins of the King. Sins of the King, let me get it right. Now Serial Box, 13 episodes that you can check out. I have two of the writers, like I said. I'm talking about NAACP Image Award winner Tanana Reed Du and award-winning South African author Mahale Masigo. And I'm so excited to have these ladies with me. They are. They already had me cracking up before I hit record. Hey, ladies, how you doing? Great. Doing great. Excited. Yeah, doing so amazing. I want to kind of talk. Go ahead. Oh, see, Mahale, I cut Mahale off. She's trying to get her. Go ahead. Get your introduction in, Mahale. <laughs> I was going to say, doing great. It's 9 p.m. here. I was going to ask you oh, what time man. it is. I'm fascinated by time zones. So I'm so glad we could do this together. I know. That's another thing. I need to get them a shout out because they guys really cooperating right now with these time zones. It's crazy. Well, thank you, Mahalai, for staying up late with us. I appreciate it. So I want to kind of talk about you guys' uh, past projects a little bit before we get into uh, Sins of the King. Um, Tanana Reeve, you have, we know about My Soul to Keep, The Good House. But one thing that I found interesting that maybe a lot, maybe I'm just uh, late to the game here, but you did this, you have a, you teach a course called The Sunken Place. And I think it's so interesting because you don't always hear about Black women in the horror genre or it's not mentioned a lot. 
what it what it uh what for you does the horror genre mean like why are you excited about that genre what got you involved in that Ooh, that's a whole thing yes uh great question i have found that a lot of other um black women um especially African-American women, you know, Uh came to horror from their mothers and grandmothers, you Uh know? And I really think it it has to do with trying to engage with trauma in a way that feels safe. So Uh there's all this racial trauma, racial history, stories from your grandmother, stories from the 20s and 30s. I mean, we've been through it. So Uh how do you express that trauma in a safe way? And I think that's why horror speaks to me. I think that's why it spoke to my mother, and it's what I have turned to, you know, when times are rough. It's like, okay, well, they're not this rough, though. <laughs> they're not yeah, as rough that's as this true. in my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. People yeah. say horror, yeah, sometimes, yeah, very true, very true. Especially think about all that's going on today. Exactly. Uh, Mahale, I want to talk to you. Okay, you have the yearning intruders. What was the experience like for you on um, intruders specifically? And also, were there any kind of bizarre urban legends, monsters you wanted to get in, but you just didn't have enough time? Well, you know, intruders, I was really concerned because um, I'd never really um, done any like speculative fiction writing. I love it, but I I hadn't Uh done uh any kind of like stuff like that. And I was so worried that I was asking readers to go to a place where they weren't ready to go to, but they went all the way with me. And I think one of my, one of the ones that didn't make it into intruders is this urban legend about a headless horse, right? A headless horse that kind Mm, of like roams areas and I don't know how this worked because the horse asks in Afrikaans saying Baris my gop, which means uh, where's my head? I don't know how that works if it's headless, but it's like this really horrible thing. And it, it was really used to keep young young people um, home, to, to tell them to stay uh-huh. home because this was during apartheid and cops were roaming everywhere. So Baris my gop was like a, rather a headless horse than a policeman during apartheid. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know what? I see the parallels. I don't mean to take over your interview. but Oh, no. Hey, you guys take over whatever you want to take over. Go for it. That intersection between real horror, political horror, and the Mm -hmm. supernatural. Listen, all I need to know is Afrikaans, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm staying in my room. Yeah, this this horse didn't speak any other language, and it, it just spoke Afrikaans. And it's very telling of, like... These are the horrors of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so cool. Well, I, I hope, I'm on a part two now, hearing about this. I want to know what's going to keep going. Some more stories. Well, I forget. <laughs> we're like we're like twin uh, nations in some respects. Uh, we don't have the majority black population of South Africa. But I, when I was at South Africa, I was greeted with the words, welcome home. And I understood exactly what he meant because we both struggled with white supremacy in a very specific way. Yeah. So we, rec- we recognize that journey, you know? Um, uh-huh. So yeah, I, there's a lot of kinship and a lot of shared trauma, shared racial trauma. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, too- a, it's a thing that's actually, I, I think that was so wonderful that we were able to draw on our own experiences mm. when we were working on Sins yeah. of the King, because oh, we may not you. live, you know, in, in the same places, but we, we have a shared experience like that. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. There are so many exciting careers in computing, and you can open up those doors by learning computer science online with Oregon State University. Oregon State eCampus is an innovative provider of online education 
renowned for its expertise in delivering computer science programs to students around the world. As an Oregon State student online, you'll learn computer programming fundamentals, software engineering, and web development, plus other skills that translate to any career field and are in demand in virtually every industry worldwide. Just ask Anusha Farshi. While earning her Oregon State computer science degree online, she was commissioned to develop a sound installation at a museum in Austria. She used her programming skills to make a composer's music come to life in a way they'd never before imagined. You can choose between three dynamic offerings from Oregon State eCampus. A 60-credit post-baccalaureate program if you're already a college grad, the shortest path to a computer science career, a Bachelor of Science program, or a cybersecurity certificate. And know that Oregon State is committed to helping its computer science students find and accept competitive job offers, even before they graduate. See for yourself why Oregon State eCampus is consistently ranked in the nation's top 10 by US News and World Report. Accelerate your career today. Visit ecampus.oregonstate.edu forward slash nerds to learn more. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash nerds. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, you guys can keep going if you want to, because, you know, hey, I'm just sitting back I just, and taking notes. I, just, I was going to ask that next. <laughs> yeah, well, let me pick up that baton from Ohio. Go ahead, go ahead, do, I it, was, do it. I, listen, I'm going to just say I'm a, I'm a fan of this project as well as a participant. You know, my husband, mm-hmm, Stephen Barnes, mm-hmm. and I wrote, you know, four of the episodes, uh, but li- I was just listening to it uh, and that amazing narration by William Jackson Harper. Mm, yeah, so good, you guys. It was mm-hmm. a ride. But Mahali, when I got to your chapters and and how you 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 tie together that apartheid history, even though it's a fictitious nation, but it has a, a history of similar apartheid, I just thought that was so powerful and so relevant and important for this project. So I just want to say thank you for bringing that into this. I have been so excited to do something with Queen Ramonda because she's from she's from South Africa. So I was like, yeah, this is my time now. I'm going to shine. Yes. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan as well as a contributor as well. Yes. Yeah, so you, so you guys are already kind of giving us a little teases and stuff I wanted you to do. Because I know, I knew, uh, Tanana Reeve, I know you were doing... Um, Let's see here. Where my little? Where's my little cheat sheet here? You have the. I know you're going to the um, ancestral plane and return to give people a little sneak peek. You also had superstition that I got to kind of sneak and watch, but I didn't know about Mahale. I didn't know you had this other juicy stuff going on, Mahale. I didn't know the episodes. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of got the the episodes where um, you see this is how how do you talk about something without giving spoilers? But it was a I lot know of, it was a lot of family <laughs> stuff that I got to deal with, which was a lot of fun. Okay, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what so, I can uh, say so without ruining it. I know you can't say. I know you guys can't say a whole bunch without without ruining a whole. But you can't answer this because I know. I think I already know this answer. But were you guys fans of the comics? Like, did you have a certain comic that you love for Black Panther? Uh, listen, I'm just gonna keep it real. Um, 
I came to Marvel through the cinematic universe. I was not. Oh, hey, that's fine too. That's I fine was too. not a traditional comic reader. I mean, my husband read the very first Black Panther appearance in 1966 when he beat up the Fantastic Four. Wow. Okay, so, <laughs> so he he's a fan fan. For me, you know, I only came to it really through academia when I started te- teaching Afrofuturism. That's when I picked mm-hmm. up the Christopher Priest Black Panther, the Reginald Hudlin. Black Panther, mm-hmm. which is what he based um, the series on. It was on BET. But yeah. it, it blew wide open for me when T'Challa appeared in Civil War, Marvel's Civil mm-hmm. War. And yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was one, such yeah. a great introduction. We were all already celebrating, and the movie hadn't even come out yet, um, with memes and slogans, you know, move or be moved. You know, we were all in it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then the, the movie itself was such a I mean I can't even describe it. You were here. I mean it was it was a beautiful time at least in the United States. I don't know how it was Mohale in uh, South Africa. You know what's so yeah, funny that is South that Africa? we were so excited. So I have been going through this journey with MCU since uh, Edward Norton's Hulk. And so mm, you know yeah. because so how I came into comic books was when I was younger I used to read Wendy, Spooky, Casper, Archie, you know, and my little brother then mm-hmm. introduced me to like superhero comics and that's when I really got involved so as soon as you know um, uh, MCU started this really long rollout process I was really excited but when they said Black Panther oh my goodness we were ready for it and as soon as we saw the the visuals as well that uh, borrowed Mm -hmm. from some of our cultures I was like I am ready for this because this is a hero for all black people so it was just as exciting we went Absolutely. to the cinema dressed up I mean I I don't dress up to go anywhere so you must know it was a big deal <laughs> it was I'm a dressed huge up deal. now let's talk about it I, yes <laughs> yes Nari please give us the walkthrough of your outfit go ahead you do it because she looked no, real cute right now and I'm so I sorry this is no video going on right no, now no no I don't mean to jump but it's just it just it really does elicit that feeling of celebration. And I'm really glad to hear Mohale say that the audiences in South Africa were excited mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. themselves represented, even though there's a very pan-African look to it. You know, yeah, it draws yeah. from many, many, many different places and regions and traditions. And and that was a criticism for some people, you know. But for me, it, it did resemble, for African-Americans, that kind of fantasy image of what we lost, right? That we're yeah, always mm-hmm. yearning can never find and and I'm sure on the continent of Africa it's it's a similar feeling of inclusion just seeing yourself is so powerful yeah it was definitely that inclusion I mean you you're completely right about that you know because I think on the continent we were so worried we were like oh my goodness it's gonna be a Zamunda and it turned out to not be a Zamunda but it Yeah, yeah. It, it was just really beautiful to see real cultures being drawn from and 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 being respected as well. You know, it wasn't appropriation more than it was appreciation. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice, very nice. By the way, since we're since we're on the train now talking about the movie and everything, what uh if you guys could have like some vibranium, what would you do with it? Or what would you want made out of vibranium? Mm. I, I'm, just, I'm curious since we're already down the we're already down the rabbit hole of thinking about Wakanda and Black back in the movies with Black Panther. Oh goodness, this is a tough one. I don't know. Let me think about it. You know that is okay, a I'm tough come one. Back. I'll come back. Hey, you know what? I'm going to jump in with something because uh, you know I cycle through the usual um, mm. 
clothing, you know, weapons, but really it's about healthcare for me right now. So I think mm, whatever yeah. aspect of vibranium, I don't know, the science, Sheree's sciences. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. That's better. Yeah. That's <laughs> even better. Yeah. However, she uses vibranium in terms of healing and, you know, like the kimono beads, I don't know if they're vibranium or what, but that would be it. If we could just use vibranium to get people healthy, you know, people deserve to be mm, healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, true. I'm. I'm just. Holly, gonna, I'm, oh, okay, I'm go just ahead. gonna say. Yeah. Whatever she said. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Imagine if I said. I'd well, like if you think of something, call. let us know. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. I would ask you guys too, because this part I know I can give away because it's in the description, okay, that we're dealing with um, T'Challa and the Black Panther with the demons of his past. So what was you guys' reaction to knowing that is what, that is kind of like the central focus of where all these stories get to break off from? So I joined at right at the end when all of this stuff had had sort of been fleshed out. So I think Tanana Reeve is okay, probably okay. in a better position to talk about this than I am. Because when I joined, I'll it was like, in. this is where we're going. And I was like, okay, I, I'm coming along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just by way of quick background, uh, the cereal box model is somewhere in between uh, audio uh a book, right? Um, an audio uh-huh. drama, uh, an ebook, and they they structure it like you're working on a television series. So in the beginning, you know, and Steve was not able to to make it to the writers' room either. But in the beginning, I was there, and I also, um, you know, I want to shout out the other uh, writers, Jeffrey Thorne um, and Ira Madison the uh, third, you know, who were who were very strong in coming up with a story. We had a template before we even came to the meeting. You know, it was like, okay, here's a, yeah. a template, but there was a lot of back and forth. Um, a lot, <laughs> you know, it really, you, it, it just, it's amazing how much effort goes into creating a creative project like this. And I have to say when there's so many characters and not being a comics person, I didn't know who some of these characters were, you know, so I'm playing catch up and looking at my encyclopedia, trying to find out who's Graviton, what? So, so. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oops. Is that a spoiler? But anyway, that's, I think that's chapter one. (laughs) I think we're we're good with an episode one spoiler. So I would have to say as a writer, uh, and maybe this is also true for Mahali, I don't know, but I access my story through character. So this idea that it's something to do with the sins of the past is kind of a lifesaver for me because with all the action stuff that you got to handle and all the fight scenes and the heartbeat of this story is the emotions Mm -hmm. and the family ties. And I think that's what so many of us loved about, especially the film version of Black Panther, even in Civil War, you know, that relationship between the father and the son, it makes me cry. Every time that scene of the UN, when T'Chaka puts his hand, on T'Challa's cheek. I get a tear every time. Again, we're not used to that representation. We're not used to that father-son imagery. And and it's the same way with Ramonda and Shuri, especially we love the family relationships. So that aspect, the trauma, especially as a horror writer, is what helps me access the story. It's like the create the characters created from the past experiences and how they process those past experiences. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that. You know, I mean, yes, there's superheroes. Yes, there's a there's like fight sequences, which was also a challenge for somebody like me who can't describe how people's bodies move. But besides that, 
<laughs> you did yeah, great. I was going to say that great. had to be a challenge because there are so many of there are so many action scenes. I'm like, how do you even, I don't even know where to begin to describe it. I know how to say I like to listen to it and look at it. But how are you going to say, oh, this person uppercuts this person and they fall out over here? You know, it's just crazy. It's like, what? And you can only yeah, use uppercut so many times, hey. You can only say uppercut and a lift hook so many times. Exactly. I'm like, I don't, you guys like, yeah, I praise you for the job that you did because I have no idea how you would even begin to do that. Yeah, but besides, you know, all the action and all that stuff, I think what what really appealed to me was was the human element of this is that we we got to really mm-hmm. spend some time with T'Challa in in his mind, him struggling with a lot of things and and the legacy of of his home and his own legacy, and that was what was really interesting for me. That's what drew me to the project. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the the central questions that we wrestle with throughout um, Sins of the King, I think I can discuss, is this question of now that Wakanda is out and known in the world, there are questions about why hasn't it done more? You know, yeah, yeah. why uh-huh. you why you been sitting on the sidelines? I mean, uh, hello, <laughs> and I think I think that applies to so many of us who have privilege. Uh, we really can sort of engage with this and ask ourselves, well, what am I doing? You know, I, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. I'm sitting on the equivalent of my own little uh, treasure chest of vibranium, you know, because I'm privileged. And 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 how do we use that privilege? Uh, what do we do? How do we enact change in the world? I think that's a very very important question that we all need to ask ourselves. And are we brave enough to to listen to what the answers are? You know, that's the other mm. thing. We can mm. ask the yeah. questions, but are we brave enough to listen to what the answer is? And where do you go once you know the answers? Absolutely. Like, like it's why I can't eat hot dogs anymore, you know? Once you find out where they come yeah, from. Yeah, sometimes you don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some things you don't want to look into or you will yeah, be yeah. exiled from that pleasure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, why did I look into that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Now, I know you guys had a, like, I know, uh, Tanana Reeve, you were talking about pulling out the encyclopedia, and I know, Mahale, if it was the same for you, but were there any kind of, and I know you guys talked a little bit about the movies, um, were there any, like, a because I know you guys kind of mixed with the Avengers in here a little bit, D- was there any kind of characters that you guys wanted to to put in that you didn't have an opportunity to? Because, you know, I know, especially Mahale, you coming in towards the end, were there any kind of, like, fan, uh, like, little favorites that you had that you wanted to kind of get a chance to talk about? I'm very lucky that when I came into this, it was all characters that I, I was happy to work with, you know, uh, Misty Knight mm-hmm. is in the mix as well. And whenever I look at a story, I, I always first check in with the women in the story, you know, and I yeah, think absolutely. we had the best mix of women in this story. So I was happy with it. Yeah, you know, coming from the beginning, I honestly don't remember. Uh, anytime you're working for a big franchise like Marvel, you know, you have to submit, yeah. get approvals, wait for approvals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They've got this whole universe. <laughs> you know, we see it unfolding every day, you know, with like the new TV shows. And yeah. so they yeah. so they they have very specific ideas about which characters can do what. So I was always happy when we got a win. Like if there was an idea we had that we thought we really liked and someone said yes, I was like, Yes. And, right, I, and right, I honestly yeah. don't remember. Um, I mean, I might not say if I did, but I honestly don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A specific yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah, that, that was a little bit of a setup now that I think about it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a setup. <laughs> I, I, I can't really bring it to consciousness if there was a case. I'm almost sure there had to be considering the process, but, but yeah. At, 
like Mahala said at the end, we just had everything uh, laid out for us. It's a great smorgasbord of Marvel characters. So, uh, you know, it's just fun. What would you ladies say was some of the challenges from coming from, you know, you're at, you're just doing a novel, you're typing, you're writing this out, but then you're doing this in like a TV format now for this, for this E-series. Well, so in high school, and I, I know I'm starting in high school because th- this is all makes sense just now. In high school, I used to write Sweet Valley High fan fiction with a best friend of mine. And she would write mm-hmm. one chapter and I would write another chapter. And it would go on like that until we'd finished our fan fiction. And it was such a pain because she would take the story to places that I was like, this is not what we agreed on. How can you change so much in a chapter? And so by the time I joined this team, I was ready. This was like the Olympics for me. I finally was in an adult situation where someone was writing a chapter and then I'd have to write mm-hmm. one and somebody would follow on. So Sweet Valley High fan fiction really, really prepared <laughs> me for this. <laughs> I didn't know it would, but it did. And so that that was yeah. fun for me to always see um, where things were going. I think the real challenge also was to pick up a characterization that had been made by someone in the beginning. You know, because I think we all have our own ideas of how a character would be. But if if Jeff if Jeffrey started with the character, then I would have to follow through with that characterization. And also, like I said, writing action scenes, just like writing people's <laughs> bodies. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So that's about it for me. So I want to, <laughs> and I also want to apologize if I mispronounced your name, Mohali, a moment ago. I just, I guess, just made something up. So. <laughs> Let me, no, I, let I didn't me just... hear it. I didn't hear it. It sounded oh, like you said okay. <laughs> okay, good. Mahali. Okay, well, good. But uh, I had a secret weapon because I had a co-author and my husband, Stephen Barnes, who loves to write action scenes. So I could literally just, <laughs> I could just throw an uppercut or two <laughs> and, you know, do my best, throw somebody up against a tree. And then I would write, add action here. <laughs> nice. There right? you go. That's how you do it. So that's my secret weapon. But the other part, there's really no secret weapon around, which is that collaborative process. And um, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's really jumped out to me as I'm starting to transition more into screenwriting. This is like a middle step because it's structured like a TV room. It really, I've never been in a TV room, but from TV writers, I know what we did in those two days is a lot like what they just do every day. You know, you're breaking story, you're putting up the index cards, you're putting things in order. Mm -hmm. And we had the double challenge I mean, I had the challenge just coming in of we have to write these characters as Marvel readers, and and it's based in the comic world, I should say, as Marvel readers know them. So you can't just give everybody a brand new personality. Yeah. And what would T'Challa be like if he was an a-hole? No, it's not because, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. He's not. He's yeah. very principled, okay? And he's mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's driven by tradition and he's very tortured about his mistakes. So that's the guy people know. And then so by the time Ohala comes in, not only is she dealing with those expectations, but she's dealing with the character traits that have emerged because of the specific situations yeah. that they've been yeah. put in in this story. And that's a whole different level. So yeah, there's a lot to passing that baton. But, um, you know, she did great. And the way the reason it worked is because of the planning. Uh, I've been a part of a project where a bunch of writers just said, hey, let's just write about this general theme. And they passed it from person to person. And it was the worst piece of crap. Uh, and, and also, 
the hardest thing I've ever had to write. It was just, just the worst. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the book Naked Came the Manatee that I did when I was a Miami Herald reporter years ago. That actually turned out okay. But this was something that was uh, sort of trying to imitate that book, and it just mm-hmm. was a complete failure. Yeah, it is more yeah, challenging right. than you think, you know, to, to put together a bunch of creative mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and say, uh, have one mind, you know, keep yeah, the yeah. same voice going. It's really, really challenging. But I think we we did it well. Yeah, hey, I enjoyed it. I got a sneak peek of four episodes and I was having fun. So I buy it. And the action scenes, whether they were snuck in somewhere else or somebody put them in, it was good. It was good. Hey, <laughs> now he was my collaborator. I was fair. I was I was not cheating. But uh, I will say this about <laughs> listening to it. I mean, people can read yeah. it, obviously. It is a digital format as well for people who like to read. But if you like audio, that's the way to go. Because yes, it really is. It really is. Wow! The first time I heard the explosions and the sound effects during the battle, I was like, "Oh, I see. This is a whole different level. It's not just the story, but you're actually Mm -hmm. in the story." And and I think the narrator just did such a fantastic job. All these different accents. Holy cow! Yeah, it well, is, you know, it is immersive, right? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Molly. It can be immersed yeah. in the story, and you're kind of there in your mind, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, it was, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about it, because sometimes I don't like going back and listening to myself do something, and like that you, the fact that you guys can go back and listen to it and, and check out some of the scenes is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's because it's different than it was on the page. Sorry, I didn't mean mm-hmm. to interrupt. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was, I was, I was just about to say the same thing that it's different from what it is on the page. And sometimes you're listening and going, "Did I write that? Who wrote exactly. that? That was beautiful." <laughs> I like exactly. I was like, "Is that my chapter?" And then it's like, it's, and then within the chapter, it's like, "Was that my line or Steve's line?" Because at a certain point, it really does start to blur, and it becomes one entity that is its own unit, unified voice. Okay, so I gotta see. I gotta see if you guys can tease. You guys are giving us a little bit now because uh, Tanadari, you talked about screenwriting. Are you guys? Can you guys tease anything you have coming up? Because I know you guys just sound like you just stay busy, and I'm just looking at the resume. Yeah. Even though I know we're in a pandemic, <laughs> I know we're in a pandemic. Well, uh, for a writer, you know, staying in the house. Um, I mean, of course, it's horrible being in a pandemic, and and I, I dearly wish we were not in one. But given that we are in one, I think a lot of writers, when they're not too anxious to write, are finding that okay, well. I guess this is the time to get my book done. So I finished a novel called The Reformatory that's already in TV development. SK Global has wow. optioned it. They, yeah, they did wow, Crazy yes, Rich oh. Asians. And it's the mm-hmm. weirdest story because it came about through my high school English teacher, uh, Mitchell Kaplan, who's with a, a company called Missouri Kaplan that's also partnered with SK Global for this. So it's a full circle moment for me in, in more ways than I can describe. And uh, Steve and I just had an episode of The Twilight Zone, season two, episode eight, called The Small Town. Love my first it. TV credit, my yeah. first TV writing credit. And we're working on a, a haunted house feature script right now for a studio that I can't say any more about. But I, you know, haunted house is my jam. So I'm just so excited to be able to do what I love and get, mm-hmm. you know, get paid for it. It's, that's, it's, I'm pinching myself, honestly. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Mahale, what you got? Um, Thank you. So I have been promising uh, a novel for a long time, and I think my agent and publisher are fed up. So 
have, I, have, I have to finish this novel. Um, I, right now, I'm calling it like they own the night. I don't know what it'll be called in the Ooh. end. I like that title. I like that tease. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a country western that takes place in South Africa, in the north of South Africa. So, um, yeah, that's all I can say about that. And I have two interesting things coming up with Marvel and one with DC. Ooh, nice! Very nice. See, this is when you get good guests right here that just give you all these teases where you just got to keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am just thrilled that this renaissance that we're seeing in the United States of of mm-hmm. black art, yes, black absolutely. art, television, film, Afrofuturism is extending internationally, you know, mm-hmm, because I see mm-hmm. Marvel is, is about to do a series um, with, I forget where in Africa the company is from, but it's a partnership with a relatively yeah, small see that. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. company. And uh, they're going to have a series on Disney Plus. I'm just thinking of all these creators who've been toiling mm-hmm. for years, you know, finally yeah. getting their, their shot, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to play with the big boys and to get exposure for their own work uh, outside of, you know, Marvel. So it's, it's just a beautiful time to be a creator. Would you agree? Uh, you know what? It it sounds horrible for me to say it's a beautiful time to be a creator, and it's always very difficult for me to celebrate during a pandemic. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I'm I'm doing some of my best work right now, and I'm working with so many people around the world, and I have to learn to celebrate even though we're in a pandemic. But this is this is an interesting time to to be a, a creative writer or you know mm-hmm. whatever else creative things people are doing. It's really interesting. Well, you know, the way I look at that, and I feel you, um, I've been wrestling with that guilt for months because my 2020 um, on the professional level was surreal in the best way. Holy, what? I must be dreaming. While the personal life, it's like we're all going to die, you know? So the way I've processed that guilt, which is kind of like a survivor's remorse, is to just think about how much joy entertainment and art have given me uh, when I was having a horrible time, when my mother was dying, you know, Um, I was binging the wire (laughs) to get my mind away from it. And there are many, many, many examples of of programs. Schitt's Creek got me through 2020, a TV show I just discovered uh, last year. So I know that the work we do has impact. I know from past letters I've gotten, I know it. So I, I'm I'm learning not to feel guilty. I'm just learning to feel grateful that I have this talent and have had the opportunities to nurture this talent so that I can bring joy not only to myself during a time of stress, but to other people. That's really special. That is such a beautiful way to think about it, actually, because um, there's this there's this series on on Netflix. It's called uh, Tokyo uh, Midnight Diner Tokyo Stories, and it's all in Japanese. And it's really the thing that got me through 2020. And I have to think that the creators, whenever they created it, wanted to put something out into the world that was fantastic. And it found me at a time where I needed a distraction and. You're absolutely right. What we're doing now is going to give someone else an escape. So maybe it's not so bad to celebrate. No, we should celebrate. Just thank goodness we can do it. Yeah. 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 You definitely need like that hour or 30 minutes to just kind of de-stress and kind of escape from everything. So yeah, we definitely appreciate what you guys are doing. I need to plug it up again. Ebook series, uh, Marvel's Black Panther, Sins of a King. You can go to SerialBox.com. 
13 episodes you guys are going to have for us. So definitely check it out. It will definitely give you that 30 minutes of just breather and laughter and action scenes. It'll be fun. Great. And, and any- thank you, ladies, so much. Thank ahead, you. Ahead, I'm just going to do a quick plug if people want to learn more about Afrofuturism, the Black Speculative right. Arts. Um, mm-hmm. Steve and I also have a webinar at www.afrofuturismwebinar.com. It's a digital download. Take it at your own pace. Okay, well, I'm definitely I'm definitely signing up for that because when you were talking about it earlier, I was like, oh, that sounds like my jam. <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't trying to sell you, but I'll take... <laughs> But Black Panther, obviously, Sins of the King is also a great start. That is Afrofuturism, too. So in comics, mm-hmm. that, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the all the nerds, get ready. Everybody that doesn't know Black Panther World, get ready. Go check it out. And ladies, thank you so much again. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Great talking to you, too. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you also. And everybody stay safe out there. Bye. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.